Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Set, go. You're now joined to the one and only podcast with Deshaun Jackson, Fade the Booth. I got the money, but my pride keep me in the streets. I got the hustle, but we guarantee we gone. Hey, hey, I got the five Grammys, 11 BT awards. Man, too hard, you gotta get up off me. And if I get a chance to play with them, it's over. So I felt like, no, I will not lose. I cannot lose. A lot much respect, no disrespect. All across the world, yeah, my name ring bells. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're now tuned in to the one and only Fade the Booth, which yours only Deshaun Jackson. I got a fake special guest today. He's not a real special guest. He's a fake special guest. And this motherfucker named Michael Blackson. What's up, bro? How you doing, man? Come on, man. I'm your hater. I'm a Z-list celebrity. I'm not an A-list or B-list. I'm a Z-list, okay? What, what, what makes you feel like you're a Z-list, sir? Why Z? Because I'm a street, I'm a hood star. I'm Z. I'm a, you want to know who other Z-list niggas are? Yeah, let me know. All right, uh, let me see. Terrell Owens, Z-list. Um, Low Bawa, Z-list. Flavor Flame, Z-list. <laughs> not not uh, all the heavy members of Love and Hip Hop are Z-list. Love and Hip Hop, Atlanta, New York. Lo- Love and Hip Hop, Kansas City, Missouri. Housewives of Crenshaw, all or Z-list. So, so Nelly is Z-list? You're not, you are X. You're not that far away, nigga. You are X-list. Two- oh, hold on. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about that jacket you got on. What, what class is that jacket? <laughs> ah, this is a, this is a $28,000 million jacket. This is a Dolce Cabana. This, was, this is made with um, uh, skunk fur, motherfucker. Okay? I, don't, I, don't, I don't even think you know, you black motherfucker. <laughs> nah, man. Appreciate you coming on, brother. It's a pleasure, man. Man, what's what's going on, man? How you been? How, how's hey, my you, know, we just gotta let the fans know when what me and Deshaun get together. It's always, it start out with a roast, so they say nothing personal. This is what we do. <laughs> hey, for sure, y'all. We taking the light on y'all right now. We usually go way harder than we this. Go so we go hard, man. We just know like <laughs> we being cool. <laughs> we being nice because we trying to be role models, or at least I'm trying to be. For sure. You know, uh, now everything's good. Now I can't complain. Been, I'm back working, back on the road. I'm on um on the Martin tour. Uh, in fact, this weekend we're in Ontario, California, and in December four we're in Las Vegas. So you know, I'm gonna save you a couple of tickets. Come to the show. That's where we are. December. Hopefully, you guys not on the road. I'm not sure where y'all gonna be at December. I'm not sure where y'all at December fifth, but on that fourth, we're gonna be in Vegas. And then um yeah, I think. Matter of fact, I. I think I'm a. What day is that? That's Saturday. What's well, Saturday? Yeah, the Saturday. But usually, if y'all go, if y'all the road, y'all leave the day. Y'all leave like Friday, right? No, nah, we leave Saturday. We will probably be gone Saturday. Yeah, y'all gonna be gone. I'll check the calendar. I'll find out where. I'll check y'all schedule and know where y'all gonna be at. Um, I'm, I'm. I mean, the most important thing I've been doing the last year since COVID is I'm building a school in my village. I'm building a school in Africa. 
you know, uh, this is my way of giving back. You know, I always thought about how am I going to give back to where I came from. That's, that's one thing we cannot forget. Whenever you're making a life, you got to give back to where you came from. You know, it's, it's kids out there that look up to you, that you are that star that came out of their hood. And it's like, you can't forget about them. You know what I mean? Because they, they, look, they look up to you. And I had to go back and give back to where I came from. And that's building a school. You know, um, I think it was the best thing I could have done because I think education is the key, you know, to these little kids, you know. I mean, if they want to know about diseases, know about everything, it all starts with education. So I figure out, sure. I go build them a school. And the main reason I decided to build a school was because when I came to America, I didn't go back to Africa till I was like 25 years old. I remember going back home for the first time. And then um, when I got there, I, got, I went to my village. I'm like, everything still looked the same. Everything, like nothing changed. Everybody was doing the same thing they was doing. The little kids was out in the marketplace helping their mom sell food and working. Eight, nine-year-old kids. I'm like, why are these kids out here working? What, what, what part of China is this? Because I know they work for like... I'm like, no, no, no. Why? Then I found out that the government schools, we just consider public schools, we just semi-free. They ain't really free. You still got to pay for certain things. But at least most of it is free. Those filled up real fast. And all they got left is private schools. And the kids cannot afford to go to private school. So if they cannot get in the government schools, they can't pay for private school. They ain't got no choice but to hang around. So wow. then I, I, remember I, I saw that a few times while I was in the village. And then I, I went to the local school and I'm like, trying to get an idea what it costs to go to school. And this, this is a while ago. This is, I'm talking about like early 2000s. When I just did like a couple of years after I did next Friday. So I went to the school and I found out the school was like 80 to 100 bucks a year for a kid to go to school. I'm like, I'm like, we spend that shit at the bar. You know, so I went, I like, grabbed like three, four kids and had to sign up for like a whole year. And I'm like, you know what? So at that point, I was thinking about maybe just doing some kind of nonprofit where I'm get putting kids in school. I'm like, let me just take the whole different level and build them niggas to school. So, and I, and I had a way to get the money. Like, you know, when I decided to build a school, I did not want to like start do go fund me. Now I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take my own money. I'm going to build the school. And once I build all my money, then I'm going to ask for help, do some nonprofit to help keep it going for a lifetime, you know? Definitely, man. That, that That's something special that you're doing, man. Obviously, well, my question would be to you is, why did you think it took you so long to do it? Uh, money, nigga. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that was the most important thing because I'm so independent, dog. Um, I've never been a person that go asking, not, I'm not a non, I mean, trust me, even if I, if, if this nonprofit, whenever I'm done building a school, if it's a headache, I'm the type of person that would take my own money and pay for things. I don't like to ask. I don't like borrowing. I don't like none of that. And I wanted to make sure I had the money to do it. You know, since I was, since I came to America, since I was 13, 14 years old, I started working at 14. Since 14, I've been independent since then. I would, my mother hasn't given me a penny since I was 14. I'm the one that been taking care of my mother since I was 14 years old. Since I was 14, I had to give my mom half the money I made. I always been that person to like just, you know, even my brothers, I left my brothers and sisters back in Africa. When I started working, I had to help my, give my mom money to send it back to home to help my older brothers. I'm, I'm the youngest son. My mom had eight kids. I'm the youngest son. I got three, two younger sisters. And I'm the one that was taking care of my older one. You got to, they were less fortunate. Being in Africa is less fortunate. I mean, they don't, you know, they don't, 
go and get a check like we get out here. So from age 14, I've been doing it. I've always been the type to like save money and do what I want to do with it. And that's what I do with the school. I say, you know what? I'm going to save up the money. I'm going to build school. And once I build it, then, I mean, the school got to run, you know, and I'm not going to stop at one school. I want to do it like three other countries. I want to do one in like in, um, in Liberia. I want to do one in Nigeria. And then maybe I might hit like, you know, uh, South Africa or something like that. I know Oprah did some stuff over there, but, you know, I might, I'm going to hit one more country. I haven't decided where yet. You said you're dating Oprah. No, no, no. I, 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 trust me, I would date Oprah. In fact, I want to get Oprah pregnant. <laughs> but Oprah ain't got no kids. Like, I, I got a whole fiance. She's not going to let me get Oprah Man, pregnant. I oh. would love to. Listen, Oprah child support alone. I'm going to get Oprah pregnant. I'm going to collect child support. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're here to the right place, man. Hey, you know, now nah, it's crazy that you talked about um, the school that you opened up. You know, I'm, I'm working on the same thing. I'm working on a curriculum, um, you know, to get my own academy, man, the Jackson Academy, you know, playing football, you know, for all these years in the NFL and just kind of seeing, you know, how kids come up in the system. And, you know, I just wanted to do the right thing by, you know, creating this, this legacy, man, for these kids to be able to say, you know, I came out of the Jackson you know, academy, and we could teach yeah. kids from everything, you know, music, arts, you know, film, television, music, you know, sports. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's important because one thing is big is the youth, man. You know, you got two twins, you got boys, you know, I got kids. So, you know, I feel like that's that's our future, you know, and giving back and touching kids to let them know it's possible to make it, you know, because when I grew up, it was hard to really understand that it was possible to make it. You know, I had to kind of go out there and just you know, kind of get it on my own, even though I had support and, and family to help me. But it was like, it was almost surreal to become famous or a celebrity because, you know, growing up, you don't, you don't really got that hope, you know? Now, 100%, man. Um, so that's why, and that's, that's why so many kids out there look up to you, especially you came, you came from the hood, yeah. you know? And I, I grew up in Southwest Philly. I mean, Philly is a rough, was a rough place. You know, and in fact, that's the, the another, I definitely have to get back to the city also that raised me. I got to give a shout out to Philadelphia. Philadelphia City that raised me. In fact, that's where we met at. You know, Philly sure. drafted you. You was there for like, what, five, six years, if not longer, something like that? Six years, and then went back for two years. So, yeah, I played seven years there. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, Philly is <coughs> a lot to me. Um, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough sports town, but, you know, but it's, it, any city that's tough always bring out the best out of everybody. You know what I mean? Um, and I think Philly definitely made me a great comment because it's a tough city. You know, I grew up in the streets, in the hardcore streets of Philly. One thing I didn't do as a kid, you know, I could have easily, because, I, you know, I, I was raised by a single mother. At that time, it's my mom and my two sisters. We live in, in Philadelphia. My mom had to take a job where she kind of stayed there overnight, and she'll come home on the weekends. You know, she'll go take care of some older folks, stay at that place and take care of them, and then come home on the weekends. So me and my, I had to pretty much, we had to raise ourselves, yeah. you know? And I could have easily fell aside and, and decided to chose the streets, like, you know, selling dope or whatever. Because that's the only thing you could do out there on the streets is sell dope. <clears throat> right. you know? But for luck, fortunately for me, I just, I found a way to stay focused. I worked at Domino's Pizza during my whole teenage years. From, from like, I moved to Philly, I was like 15. From 15, even until I got out of high school, I worked at Domino's. People thought I was selling dope. They had no idea I was selling pepperoni, sausage, ground beef, um, extra large pizza, anchovies. Mm. Okay, that's what I sold. And I stayed up the streets. I would get up I'll, after school. I'd get on the trolley or bus. 
and make my way downtown, go to work, come home, midnight, sleep, go to school, you know, and I think God, oh, God had a plan for me. And this is, this is a plan. Everything's all coming together now. It's like over 20 years later, everything that God planned is all happening. You know what I mean? He's blessed me. You know, I'm not a, a person that's on, I'm not starring in no movie. I ain't got no TV show, but I'm probably <laughs> in top 10 funniest dudes in America that's working consistently. I mean, I work so, work hard, you know what I mean? And the thing about it, I'm so big in comedy, I could work every day if I wanted to work. So that's a blessing. We able to just go up there and pick up a paycheck. It's just that easy. Right. You know, right. so God, God put me, set me up that way because he had a plan for me. And I think giving back to my village is that plan. You know, it's all coming together now. Yeah, no, that's dope, man. Talk, talk to me about your, your role, you know, coming up, man, basically. And uh, in the movie industry, man, obviously we know the famous role for, um, you know, next Friday. Talk to us about how you got into that role and like, you know, what, what was it about the acting thing that kind of like started you off? Where did, where did that all come apart? Well, how next Friday happened, the crazy thing about it, I remember um, the last job I actually clocked in when I actually used to go to work. It was, uh, I was working for the airlines back. I started working with airlines like 1996. And I was done like a year after 9-11 is when I was done. Because after 9-11, they gave us opportunity to like either like furloughed and leave, you know, because I guess the airline was pretty much a lot of them went bankrupt. So they couldn't afford to have everybody. So they gave, you know, gave people a choice. You could leave and still keep certain benefits or leave, take some money and be out. So I remember I had a job with the airline. The main reason I got the job with the airline because the airline come with this benefit of free flights. And I'm, at that moment in my career, I was you know, new comedy. This is 1996, 97, whatever. You know, I'm just going around picking up two, $300 in different cities to do a show. So I figured if I work for the airlines, I can fly for free. So I'm like, I got the airline job. So now I can go around, I can fly out to these cities. I'm like, hey, just let me, I'll get it myself. Just give me this money. So I was flying out. And then what I was doing almost every other week on my days off, I had off. Tuesday or Wednesday. So Monday, I'll get off work and I'll hop on the plane and come to LA just to like network. And then I'll, you know, and I knew a lot of the comedians that had did different shows out here. You know, back then it was Guy Tory. Guy Tory hosted a show at the comedy store on Sunset. Uh, yeah. Right? On Tuesday night. Tuesday night was called Fat, um, it was called Fat Tuesdays. That's what it was mm-hmm. the name of the comedy. So Tuesday night was Fat Tuesdays, the comedy store. Monday night was, um, more Better Mondays, and that was hosted by D. Ray Davis. And then Chris Spencer was doing the one at the Laugh Factory on Sundays. So, so right. like the best nights for comedy in LA at that time, like Urban Night, we call it Mega Nights. That's a nice where they, you know, you go and you go to the comedy club and see or Eddie Murphy, or like, you know what I mean? Or like Chris Rock, anybody could pop up those nights. Mm-hmm. So I remember coming out, this is like 1999, I remember, Flying out on a Tuesday night, I hit up Guy Tory. I said, hey, God, I'm coming to L.A. Put me down and let me do a little 10 minutes on your show. And I just have, that happened to me the same night I came out to perform was the same night Ice Cube came out to check out my apps that night for the first time. Right. You know, to see if it was good enough to play, to start in the next Friday. Mm-hmm. And that same night, I just happened to be performing that same night. And then after I performed, he hit up the lady that booked the show, like, Yo, who's the African dude? Have them come out audition for next Friday. And that's why I run an audition and one thing led to another. Damn, that's huge, man. Yeah, that was 
That was an all time. What 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 uh what happened, man? Pinky, what what you did to Pinky, man? <laughs> man, you know what's so funny? Me <laughs> tell and, you, uh, t- t- tell the people that don't they ain't seen next Friday, man. Tell them about that story, man. I'll tell you all right. So pretty much what happened, if you ain't seen next Friday, you know, get your life together, first of all, okay? <laughs> I mean, that was probably the, one of the biggest urban sequel of any black movie ever. Cause I think when Friday came out, we all fell in love with Friday. Right. You know, so when next Friday Every black person in the whole world saw it next Friday. And that made me an instant celebrity right away. I just became, and we in back, we talking about back in 99 where, oh no, this is about 2000. The movie came out in 2000. Cell phones wasn't even that big. So now we, everywhere I went, I'm signing autographs, you know? Right. But let's go, let's go back to the movie. I remember um, flying out and then we drove out to Rancho Cucamonga. I didn't even know this was a real town. Yeah. You know, I had no idea. Was, I thought when I watched the movie, because I don't remember driving around to Puma. I just knew I was driving towards like San Bernardino, Ontario, whatever. I remember right. going up that way for the first time. And then when the movie came out, they, they said the town was called Rancho Cucamonga. I'm like, they just made this up. And I found yeah. that it's a real town. <laughs> but you know, um, my scene pretty much. You know, it was just, it was, it was like a cameo, you know, it was a cameo, you know, every movie get this, you get this one crazy cameo that everybody, we want everybody to remember. My favorite cameo prior to my scene in next Friday was, I'm going to get you sucker. You know, I'm going to get you sucker. Yeah. You must see that movie. You remember Chris Rock in that movie? For sure. One rib, he went to go buy, he, Chris Rock well, went to the store to buy, to a rib store. He was trying yeah. to be cheap. Instead of buying a whole stack of red, he's actually one red. Yeah. Can I get a, a he poured a soda in my hand for a dime? So <laughs> it, it became one of my favorite, my favorite cameo of all time was that scene in that movie. And so when I when I was called to do this, I'm like, I gotta make this cameo Damn. everybody's favorite scene. Yeah. And you know, this now the only thing that was on that script that I remember that, that actually came out of my mouth when the movie came out was I can't get jiggy with this shit. Everything else that me and Mike Epps did was all yeah. ad-lib. What I like best about working with Ice Cube was Ice Cube's like, go ahead, Sean, do whatever you want. And that's when you get comedians in a movie, that's the main reason you brought the comedian in because you want his talent. You know, you want mm-hmm. his, his, his mindset. You want to be all day. So he let us be, he's like, be you, Mike, do. So me and Mike Epps, at that moment, me and Mike Epps have known each other for, um, this is 99. We know each other for at least seven years. Mm. You know, because I started out like 92. So um, we knew, I knew Mike from the beginning. When comedy, comedians, we're all like one big family. We all known each other for like mad time. Like Seven Entertainer. All them dudes, we all go back. And as a relationship, right. me and Mike go way back. And Mike grew up, he did his comedy in New York. He moved from Indy to the whole New York area. So if he's in New York, he was working in Jersey and then you'll make it with a Philly. And I was in Philly and you know, it wasn't much shows in Philly. So we went to New York a lot. So we mm-hmm. got to know each other, you know what I mean? So that's the great thing about bringing two comedians on set that have a chemistry, you know? And we just went, I we just make up our own lines, you know? And that whole, like I said, everything we said was all Adelaide besides I can't get you with the shit. That was the only shit I was on the script. So you, so you know I'm gonna ask the question, right? Right. So who who you gonna prefer? Who you going with, man? Who you think is a better better role for Friday? 
You going with Chris Tucker or Mike Epps? Well, come on. Well, Chris Tucker's the originator, man. You know, the thing about it, when I when I first went up, when I went to the movie to go watch next Friday for the like now not when not when they, they shot the movie and we all saw it. I'm talking about I was I would go out on my own to the movie theater, sit back and watch the audience watch this movie. All right. Yeah. Now the difference between Chris Rock, I mean Chris Tucker doing it and Mike Abs. When Chris Tucker did did the movie, Chris Tucker was already a stand-up star right. from Dev Jam. They knew Chris Tucker already. When Mike Epps did it next Friday, did the did word did not know Mike Epps. Yeah, I feel you. They didn't even know Mike Epps. So when I, I went to the movies to go watch it, I sit way in the back and see how people react. You know, I want to see how they reacted to me, how they reacted to Mike Epps, how they reacted to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And when Mike Epps popped up on the scene for the first time, I could look at that face and be like, who's this new nigga? That's, that's, the, that's the impression <laughs> I got. Right? They're like, who's this new nigga that's taking over Chris Tucker's spot place, you know? That's how, that's how, that's the, that's, the, that's the feeling I got from it. You know, <laughs> and they didn't really start, they didn't get into it deep with Mike to, uh, to what scene was that when he was describing um, Baby D? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think that was the funniest part of the movie when she was chasing him around the car. <laughs> she might, right. So when he was talking about Baby D, when that, that scene when he was explaining to Ice Cube who Baby D was, how she was snoring <laughs> on the sleep. Then the, talking, about, talking about the cookie, talking about everything she eat. All of that. <laughs> so when, 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 when Mike got into that, he had the crowd from there on. You know what I mean? Then it's it's funny as shit. No, that was that was funny as shit, man. That that movie right there. I think obviously Friday. I think Friday was a classic, and then next Friday was the best, the best one outside of it. Because Friday, the Friday after next, it was cool, bro. Yeah, that. Well, I didn't mean Friday after next was rush. It was not. It it was like you know, let's get this money. I don't think it was. It wasn't necessary. you know, wasn't they wasn't they working on an, another Friday before Pops passed away? Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. We was, you know, um, I mean, there was the script was already written. You know, I mean, Q, I mean, he don't like keep the type of guy. He don't like to talk about things. He like to make it happen. You know what I mean? Like we had a we had a conversation about everything. Even I even ran into Pops on the plane. We, we took a flight together from Dallas to LA and we was talking about, you know, the movie, looking forward to doing this, you right. know? And then um, maybe three months after that, he passed us away, Yeah, you know? And then of course we lost my guy, AJ Johnson. I mean, we've lost half the cast, you know? D- who, D- you talking about Debo? No, not, oh yeah, I forgot, I didn't even mention Debo. Yeah, I was talking about Ezel. Oh, Ezel, yeah, I, I know Ezel did pass too. Man, how, how how was it working with uh, with pops? Um, I didn't get to work with pops at all. In this, I mean, none of my scenes was with pops. Um, my scene was with Cube and Abs. I'm trying to think that I ever did something. But else then, with pops. but but then, but then you got had a relationship with him. Did, did you know him? Like oh yeah, that that's what you meant. Don't stand up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, no. Pops yeah, 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 yeah. As, as stand up comedy, we've done plenty of shows together. We did a whole lot of shows together, and Pop was like. What I like about him, he's such a hardworking man. This guy was in his 70s and was still going on the road like he was 30 years old, you know? And that's the cool thing about stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Stand-up comedy is something we could do 
till we 90. It doesn't matter. You know, we don't, yeah. you know, we do this forever. And Pop was very hardworking at that age. I mean, when I saw him three months before he passed, you know, we, uh, we took some pictures together. We talked about the movie on the plane, you know, and he was looking forward to it, man. We, you know, we was like, this is going to be great. It's going to be good. I guess, he, you know, we both had spoken to Ice Cube already about it. And we already knew what role was going to be playing. And I'm like, damn, all of a sudden now, you know, he passed. And then this person passed, that person passed. You know, I still think for the culture, they got to do it. Be another one. They got to do it for the culture. And the thing about it, man, the writers for this movie are so brilliant. And Ice Cube is so brilliant. I'm sure he could find a way to make it all make sense. Yeah, you know, gonna be I mean, hard. I know right now they're them roles, though it's gonna be hard to fill uh, them roles. I mean, I, I said I'm sure they can find somebody to do it, but it's gonna be hard to fill them roles. It's gonna be man. tough. No, I mean, you don't have to go filling, refilling no roles. Just it's still a few people on that's still alive that can still come in and make this happen. You know, we still got For Chris sure. Tucker. I don't know what it's gonna take to get Chris on board. I don't know what you know. We still got uh, apps. We still got cat. You know, I'm still, I'm here. Um, we got Q. We got the girl that played his sister. Um, fucking what, she won a few Oscars. Uh, Regina King. Yeah, Regina King. Um, the mom is still around. Uh, I mean, I'm so 100% thinking if you go back and get everybody from the first, everybody that's still alive from every Friday movie, we would still put a banging story together. together. They just got to go rewrite For everything. Sure. They just have to go oh, rewrite sure. everything, you know, because, I mean, some of the main guys, you know, rest in peace to them. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm almost certain that heaven probably got a better Friday movie than we got out here on Earth. I mean, think about it. <laughs> you got Bernie Mac, you got Pop, you got Man. AJ Johnson, you got Debo. For uh, real. You know who I ran into today? That's so cool. crazy. I was, I was, I'm over here trying to, you know, Refix your 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 penthouse, punk bitch. So I'm um <laughs> I went to the furniture store today. I went into the den, the midget dude. Oh god, we can't call him midget. Dwarf. I'm the dude from Friday, first Friday, the, the one that, he's Mac, that he's, was chasing Bernie Mac out the house when he was Bernie Mac was sleeping with his wife. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know his name. I know who you're talking about though. I forgot I his name. Exactly too. I ran into yeah. him today. For real, oh God. Today I ran into him, like hour ago, and we took. It's so funny. We was talking about the movie an hour ago. Was talking about about this Friday movie, and I'm like, I said, for the culture, we gotta do it. We gotta get everybody together that's still alive. We gotta put a banging story together, and then do one thing that the whole world gonna watch. You know, I know right now there's something holding back. I know there's something <clears throat> of discrepancy with him and New Line Cinema. I know there's something going on there. It's not a disagreement. Or whatever. Yeah. That's the only thing that's holding it back as far as I know. Nah, that's dope, man. Nah, man. You definitely you definitely a legend, man, with that stuff, man. I appreciate you even breaking it down and kind of letting us know, man. So so I I got a part of my uh, segment in my in my show. We call it the billionaire talk, man. The billionaire talk is basically, you know, giving some inspiration to a young kid that's back in Africa or back in South Philly that's out there, you know. Feeling the world is against him right now. Feeling like every obstacle is, uh, you know, overwhelming to him. You know, what what is some hope or, you know, something you went through in your life where you can kind of reach back and kind of let them know that people are there and they care for him and, you know, to keep pushing through. Definitely, man. Uh, I mean, listen, if I could make it out of a little village, 
with nothing. I mean, mom, you know, most of the Africans that come to America are already rich. You know, most of them are rich. Their, their parents are like into the government. You know, they're here for college because you can afford to put them in college out here. But I came from nothing. It was the word of God. My mother's an evangelist. My mother traveled around preaching the gospel. And that's what got us around. You know, we had nothing, zero. We had no money. My mother left my dad, he was very young. You know, she gave her life to Christ. He, wanted to, he was doing his own thing and she couldn't do it anymore. She took all her kids and left. And, you know, and we find a way to make things work. You know, if you're in like, my biggest concern are kids across the world in the hoods that a lot of times they feel they have to chase um, they have to chase the streets. They think the only way is the streets. No, it's not. I live, you, you could be from the hood, live in the hood, but you don't have to be part of the hood. You don't. You could get out, right. I'll tell you something, man. You could be successful in anything you do. You don't have to be a rapper or actor or an athlete or a comedian. You could be successful in anything you do. You just got to take that right path, you know, because any other path, you so end up in jail or you're going to end up dead, period. If we chase the sure. streets, gonna end up in jail all day. Ain't no other way around it, you know. And um, mm. you know whether you're in the North Philly or you're in Southwest Philly or South Philly, you, you're in freaking Crenshaw and Slauson, wherever you are, or you're in the village of West Africa. Listen, take that right path. Go, you know, you want to make money, make money the legal way. Get out of the hood. Go, go to the suburb. Go find a job. If you get a job, at McDonald's. You understand? You could be, you could work at McDonald's and and find out how you can own a McDonald's, and in about ten years, twenty, you could be a millionaire too. You know, I have a house back right. east. You know, I was raised in Philly. I built a house in Delaware, and my neighbors were millionaires and they own McDonald's. You know, you could be successful in anything if you you're a landscaper. You find out how you can own your own landscaping company, and you can still be successful in you can be successful in anything you do. Let me tell you something. If I was going to become a comedian, I would have worked at Domino's. I was working at Domino's. I went from just answering phones to delivering pizzas on a bike, delivering my car, learning about how to make pizza, learn how to be a manager. And then I was, one point I was managing the store and running the store. If I was going to be a comedian, I would own like 10 Domino's pizza by now. And I would still be a millionaire. You'd be successful in anything you do. Just put your mind to it. Don't yeah, all that work. quick money, anything that sounds too good to be true is too good to be true. It the street life is either dead or in jail, period. You know, 100%. find a way out of it. 100%. No, I, I appreciate that, that that words of wisdom, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave with this last topic, man. We're going to um, appreciate you coming on once again. But I, I kind of want to, you know, speak to, you know, some of the stuff we did last offseason, you know, when the pandemic hit and, you know, we kind of came together and just, Want to teach these young these young kids that's growing up that they really don't have no hope, no no guidance, you know, and they're you know making the wrong decisions. Like, talk talk to us about you know what's your role and what you feel like you're trying to accomplish, giving back to the youth and guys that you know you know do make it that might not have the resources or you know they're living crazy or they got young fame and they spending money or they you know just doing wild things. Like, talk to you know the yeah, people about you know, some of the roles you're doing. <clears throat> Um, I'm in, I'm going to talk about, you know, our younger athletes that come out. I mean, a lot of times these kids come from nothing. You know, a lot of times they don't have, 50% of them don't have dads in their life. They just, God bless them with this talent. You know, the NFL, basketball, 
soccer, even baseball players. There are millions of children out there that's pursuing these same things. So whenever you're chosen, whenever you make it into the league, it's a blessing from God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a blessing from God. The whole, I mean, to every other athlete in this world is looking up to you now because this is something they've been trying to do or this is something they would like to be. So you have to take advantage of that, man. Just know that once you once you get to that level, man, you have, you become a role model, whether you want to be or not. People, once people are looking up to you, man, everything you do really matters, you know? And God has chosen you for a reason. You know, you have to, you, you automatically got to sit back and be like, hey, man, you know, you went from no money to $10 million. What the hell a kid with no money supposed to do with $10 million? They never had money in his life. All of a sudden, he got $10 million. A lot of times, we don't have the right people around them, you know, um, and sometimes we just, you know, it, it got to be a point in life where you have to, like, let that street mentality go because, you know, you, you did that all in the streets. You, you know, you hung, you, you play with the guns, you did all of that. Now you're in a whole different level. The whole world is watching you, man. You know, mm-hmm. people are looking up to you, you know, so... You know, guys out there, young kids, uh, the, the next NFL draft is going to come out. My only advice to you, man, you guys, stay focused, guys. You know, be focused. Let go that, let go that, them hood guys you hung out with back in the day. I mean, if if these guys, if you want to help out your hood, find help them out, find something they could do. You know, if you want to take a hundred grand and find a business for these guys to do to help them up the street, yes. But you know, a lot of times these guys get in the league. And it's so still street, got this street mentality where they're putting their money towards drugs. It happens all the time. These dudes are making millions of dollars. And put, let me tell you something, man. Everything you do under this sun is going to come out. Sure. It comes to life regardless, man. You know, um, I feel so bad for the, the kid, you know, the, the receiver that, like, you know, got drunk and, mm-hmm. you know, rest in peace to the innocent woman that lost her life. Um, you know, but I mean, look at that. His whole life took it away. Sure. Overnight, over over alcohol, man. We have to make better decisions. You know, I mean, we are not, when we're 14 years old, we know what we're doing. We know what we're doing at 10, 13. You know, we've got to be focused, guys. We've yeah. got to be focused. What, you know, because at the what, end of the day. What do you, what do you, let me start, let me, let me start before me, because I, I, I want to hear the points you just touched on. What, what do you say for the kids that, you know, are young that, say they 20 years old, 21, 22, that they've made it and they, they got $10 million. Just say it's a $10 million check they got. You know, for guys like us, we we know what it's like. We come from older people that, like OGs, that teach us the right and wrong, but we listen. Nowadays, these young kids is not really listening. They feel like they know it all. So, like, what, what would you say to a young kid right now that feels like they know it all and they don't want to listen to nobody? Listen, man, you don't know it all, man. You don't. You know, you, you think your money is power, but, you know, as easy as that money could come, it could all be taken away. Trust me, you gotta. If you're not, if you are not gonna listen to your dogs, you better put God in your life. You gotta find something. You know, you have to sit. You have to automatically become mature. You have to grow up yourself. You have to like change your mentality. You know, and yeah. you, this is stuff you have to because at the end of the day, you got ten million dollars. Ninety percent of everybody around you is a yes. It's a yes man person. You know, you got the money mm-hmm. to agree whatever you say. You have to become mm-hmm. that grown-up, mature person. You have to make better decisions because the whole world is watching you. Everything, every move you make, you know, is magnified into bigger than what it is. You know, and we already being black, 
It's tough already. These people, don't, these motherfuckers don't want to give you no $10 million check. Right. They don't want to give it to you. So now they're going to find, you know, they're going to find every reason to get it out of you. You know, the whole world is against mm-hmm. you. Trust me. They don't want, trust me. I go on the road and I do a show and I know these club owners hate writing me that fucking check. They hate writing that check because my check is bigger than theirs and they own the motherfuckers. They don't want to give you that check. Don't give them no reason. Don't make it easy for them. Just go in there, do your job. You know, get that fucking money. Be focused. Do right with it. You know, and if you, my thing, if you want more blessings, you got to do the right thing because God will give it to you and it could be taken away. Man, no, 100%, man. Hey, listen, y'all, young kids, anybody watching, sitting back home, man, protect your money, man. Invest right, man. Get into real estate. And get somebody yes. that you can trust, man. Like, yes. don't just don't just put your money with somebody that's going to be a yes man, like bro said. You know, find the right people that you trust and believe in. I know it's hard to trust people, especially when you got that type of money. So, you know, if y'all need help, man, just reach out, man. Me and Mike, you know, we definitely are, are, are big brothers, and we like to, you know, show these kids the right way, man. I appreciate you coming on, man. Your insight is always great, man. Anything you want to leave us with, anything we should uh, stay tuned, anything you're working on, what's going on with uh- you? Yep, let me see. I'm on tour. Thank God, I'm all I'm all over the country. Um, you know, I'm not sure when this show is gonna air, but this weekend I'm in Ontario, California. I'm on tour with Martin Lawrence, and then next weekend is actually my uh, birthday weekend. I'm gonna be in San Antonio, Texas, and I'm gonna be in Jersey. I'm gonna do a show in Delaware for the first time, and I'm gonna celebrate my birthday. Then after that, I do Atlanta. I do Atlantic City. Then I go to Ghana. I'm going back to Ghana, December the 12th. I'm going checking up on this school. You know, my plan is to have this school built and done by like March. That way I can put a plan together between March and let these kids go to school in September. So I got a whole lot of things ahead of me. Hey, these young guys out there listening, man, let me tell you something. Stay focused, put God first, you know, cut out the streets. If the street, if the street, if the, if, if, if your circle is not willing to change and become better people, Cut them off. There's no need of hanging out the wrong guy, the wrong crowd, get you in a whole bunch of trouble. You know, um, fellas, if you want to drink, we have so many. We have Uber. We have freaking. <laughs> come on, makes no sense. You know, nah, let's let's be focused, guys. Let's be focused because everything we do is they're watching. These people are not gonna give you this check and not watching every move you make. They're looking, they're they looking for a lie. reason to get their money back from you. They ain't never lie. All right, brother. so stay focused. Don't make it easy on them. Don't make them take your shit easy. Don't go to jail easy. Don't make things easy for them. Stay focused. Be be tough and do the right thing. I appreciate you, Mike Blackson. Yes, they, can follow, they can follow you on Instagram, too, right at Michael Blackson. Follow me on Instagram for those who went to a public school. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N. Yo, this Sunday, I need two tickets to the game. Can I get it? I would, I would, I would do something to you, but I'm just just hit my line. I got you, bro. I'm gonna be nice. I'm gonna be nice about it. I ain't gonna be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, hit me though, bro. You know I got you all the time, man. Much love. All right, bro. big boy. Appreciate it, man. All right, yep, yep. Take care, bro. There y'all have it. My boy Michael Blackson on Fade the Boot. He signed yes, out. Sir. He's out. All right, all right, bro. I hit you, bro. Take care, bro. All right, big boy. Love. Yeah. All right. I got the money, but my pride keep me in the streets. I got the hustle, but we guarantee we gon' go. I got a few plays. I'm quarterback. I'm Tom Brady, 12 in the pack, and I'ma throw it, get my arm crazy.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.